All right, welcome into a draft night edition of the Garden Report. John Zanis here with Bobby Manning, Jimmy Toscano, Josue Pavone. This segment presented by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. And guys, let's get started here. The Celtics made, um, well, the night's going to be defined a lot by what they didn't do as much as what they did. They didn't make any huge trades. Um, they had three picks in the first round and uh, they didn't, there's no player movement either. We'll just focus right here, this video, just on what happened with their picks. Okay. So they made a selection at 14. They made a selection at 26. They traded out at 30. Let's begin at 14. They selected Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt, a shooter uh, with the 14th pick. There was a couple guys, people really liked who were still lingering uh, ahead of Naismith. And then, you know, when he was taken, maybe a couple other people that, you know, uh, some people like better on the whole though. Um, this seems like a, a, val a value pick in this spot is a guy who can shoot. Uh, Josue, we'll start with you. What do you think here? I love it. Um, I know it's not what everyone wanted. Everyone wanted the Celtics to trade into a top pick, but if you look at the Celtics' needs and what they most, uh, what will make them a better team next year, I think his outside shooting is a huge, huge uh, uh, concern, at least in my opinion. I, I think guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they need that sort of knockdown shooter that they can spread the floor and help them get to the basket easier. Right. And I think that uh, if you're the Celtics, you pick the best shooter that was available to you. Sure, you failed in trying to uh, trade into the top 10, but you, uh, you you fill a void. You uh, you you put yourself in a, in a situation to to help not only your team as a whole, but the two, in my opinion, the two most important players in Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. You want to see those guys continue to grow. I don't think those two guys are done growing yet. Specifically, Jalen Brown, and I think uh, bringing in a shooter like this, uh, a kind of shooter that Brad Stevens hasn't had since he came to Boston, and I think it's going to really help his offense tremendously and hopefully it pans out. I think that they did make the right pick though. If it doesn't pan out, I don't think you look back at this pick and think what the Celtics thinking, but of course people will. That's sort of what we do here in Boston, right? That's what we do. We overreact to the positive and the negative, Jimmy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, if this is a bust, I'll totally be looking back and saying, what the hell was Danny Ainge doing? He let <laughs> he did he it let, tonight all night. He let Precious go. He let Precious go. Are you kidding me? Precious The heat again. They got hero and Precious. Swindled by the heat once again. But no, I mean, I think I went into the draft. I think we all got hung up on, you know, they should try to trade all their picks or they should try to trade three yeah. for one and move up to the top 10 and, when that didn't happen, I think it didn't matter who they took. People were going to be disappointed by it. But if you're going to take a guy at 14, I'm happy that they took a shooter. I'm happy that they took a player that can contribute. Um, it sounds like he can contribute right away. Um, they they need role players. We said that last season. Um, you know, they had one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. But as far as their depth was concerned, um, you know, a team like the Heat came in and, and, and showed them what a, a deep team looked like. So uh, this yeah. is a player that can contribute. I mean, we talked about – we just mentioned Tyler Hero. I mean, wouldn't that be something, you know, to get a to get a guy uh, that can contribute the way Hero did for the Heat? I mean, obviously yeah. that's that's a high a high ceiling and and high expectations. But why not the Celtics? Why not yeah. a guy that everyone's saying is the best shooter in the draft? So I'm glad that the Celtics are actually the team that took the best shooter in the draft for once. Yeah, and yeah. Bobby, you did a lot of scouting here. Give us the ceiling here. Give us give us give us the best case scenario on what the Celtics might be getting. 
I like Jimmy's comparison to Chris Middleton. There's long tools here, uh, defensively in a good system. He's well set up to be strong on that end of the floor. He's not a great athlete, so there's a big difference between the two of them. I don't think you're going to see him putting the ball on the floor the way a Middleton does. Uh, so you're looking at a guy who is compares favorably to Danny Green, and Danny Green was a big part of those championship Spurs teams in his prime. Could defend on one side of the floor, nail a ton of shots on the other side. He was pushing finals MVP in 2013 before the Spurs lost. So yeah. this guy comes in with all the translatable signs that he's going to shoot well at the NBA level. He was taking deep bombs at Vanderbilt. Uh, he was shooting 87% from the free throw line every year. And, you know, in over 100 looks, he goes 52%. That's a staggering number from three. Yeah, and I, I feel like when I when I made the Middleton uh, comparison in the, in, the, in, the, in, the live, in the live draft show, I was laughed at. But uh, it, it's good that you gave Jimmy credit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always going to give it to him. I'm always Jimmy credit there. I was thinking the same thing. It's true. <laughs> definitely I give, for, for two hosts who beef a lot on here, I give Jimmy a lot of credit that he doesn't deserve. Yeah, yeah. seriously, dude. <laughs> I was going to take it. I appreciate that. Dr. No, so that's fine. So that's who we have. Uh, number 14, Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt, a shooter. Again, this Garden Report segment was brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off free shipping with the code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. Welcome in. We're talking NBA draft here with Bobby Manning, Jimmy Toscano, and Josue Pavone, the Celtics. Ah, uh, the Celtics. All Where right. to start? <laughs> We, we, we already profiled they made look they they, they had three first round draft picks they, they they made two of them we we profiled Aaron Naismith shooter out of Vanderbilt already we're going to talk about the second pick that was made here uh, which was a bit of a surprise here at 26 there were some players on the board that people were excited about there's a player or two who went earlier than Pritchard. Uh, at 26 that maybe some you know we could look at and say should they have made a move should they have packaged a couple picks try to climb a spot or two get this guy instead uh they uh they make the 26 pick they trade out of the 30th they grab peyton pritchard point guard out of oregon um this is a basketball player this is a guy who plays he has production at the college level um but a lot of draft analysts had him a little bit lower, somewhere in the 30s, maybe a second rounder, could be viewed as a reach. We talked about this on the draft show, guys. You like a player, you go get him. At this point, it doesn't really matter what the mocks say when you're picking late in this first round here. So they they, they found their guy, they identified him, fills a need. Maybe they knew they were trading that 30th pick, so they already knew that this is the only player they'd get. They wanted him. They knew they wouldn't get him in the second round. So they did it. They pulled the trigger. Um, Bobby, start with you. You watched a lot. You've actually seen a lot of this guy. Tell us what you think. Yeah, he was a big-time college basketball player for four years. A big-time shooter, shot 40% in two of his three last seasons at Oregon, goes four years there, part of some big-ranked teams, and it fits the bill for Ainge. There's a guy who probably reminded him himself, his relentless uh, pursuit, hustling, attacking the rim, pulling up for huge shots. Like, this guy takes risks. He's aggressive, and he's going to try to make plays at that point guard spot, and he's going to matter. 
Like you, you look at some of the picks you take in the late rounds and it's like those guys, you know, they might play a little bit. They might not in the late first round. If Brad Wanamaker's out the door and possibly Gordon Hayward too, this is the backup point guard for the Boston Celtics next year for now. So mm. they're trying, the theme of the night was try to produce more bench points than they got last year. And how many post game shows did we do where we're just like, can we get some bench points, please, please, we need bench points. And now they got two guys that could do it. Maybe Josue. No, I like that. I like that. Uh, Bobby brought that up because yeah. I think there was a little bit to that. I think, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Kemba Walker's health and what uh, the unit, the second unit is going to look like. I mean, if Gordon Hayward walks, he was a secondary playmaker. To me, he was the second point guard. Yeah, Marcus Smart did a little bit of that. But when Hayward was completely healthy, that was a big part of who he was on the team. And I think that you lose that as well if he walks uh, walks away. And, and I think the Celtics are thinking about that. Sure, this guy is a pick that, you know, you could have swapped that pick for a few other guys. But I think the Celtics in the last couple of years, they, they, you, we've seen a pattern of it's not more or less about uh, the skill set of the player but also who he is off the court, right? Who is he in the locker room? Uh, what kind of leader is he? What kind of effort are we going to get from this guy? I think all those sort of play more of a role. They value those. Uh, they value that more at this part, at this stage of the, of the draft, more than they did in the past, because I think they still remember what that team looked like that didn't get along. I mean, that's why, let's face it, a lot of people were surprised that uh, they picked Grant Williams at the time they did. But then they're like, well, wait a minute. This personality, you know, they looked at who he was off the court. And I think that plays a part with this guy and also what it, what he means to uh, the backcourt. And that could look really, really thin after Gordon leaves. So you want to have someone in there in line to sort of get his reps in. I'm not saying this guy's going to go out there and come off the bench right in his first uh, in his rookie year. But maybe he's the next sort of, uh, you know, train my water situation, you know. Different style of player for sure, and I think we did talk about this in the draft show. You well, know, I mean, like yeah. in the sense of like you're not you're not eager to put him in the mix. Like you, you don't mind sending him to Maine for a little bit. You know what they did with Tremont. And that might happen. This was a need. If he sticks and can play any bench minutes, you certainly did need help at the backup point guard position. So again, it could have value, even if it is, you know, uh, tenth man, nine, uh, you know, nine ten, you know, somewhere right. in there eight to 10 minutes a game, even that makes a difference if you can count on that uh, or if he steps in in case of injury or this and that. So there could be some value there. And again, this is the type of player you think can contribute early. I think with the 14th pick, Naismith, I think you're counting on rotation minutes early in his development. Oh, no, yeah, he's know, a completely different story, right? Different yeah. story. I don't know whether you do here or not, uh, but you are looking at a capable player. You're hoping just athletically he can hang uh, at this level. Jimmy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Bobby and Joe Sway both had some really good points, and, and John, you as well. I mean, I think, obviously, we know Ainge was trying to trade those two late picks. I mean, I, just by seeing him give away 30, I'm sure he would have loved to have taken 30 and 26 and tried to move up a couple spots. So would they have taken Peyton, you know, even sooner? I'm not sure, but at, at, at the point when they picked 26, they definitely knew they weren't taking 30. So Peyton was obviously a guy that um, they, you know, targeted at, at one point. Um, I think Bobby's point about them um, thinking about him as a backup guard is, is you know, valid. But if he's your backup point guard, game one, I mean, you're in trouble. I mean, you don't just – I don't think – even though he's a four-year – you know, as a senior that's, coming out of college, I mean, you got to have somebody I don't think else. That's, to think that's, a, that's a good point. So the roster's packed. 
Maybe Wanamaker doesn't come back. There's a risk of a downgrade there if Pritchard is that guy. So you look at Naismith, you look at Pritchard, and I point again to 13 where Kira Lewis goes, an excellent point guard product who fills that need and has huge potential there. And he goes one spot before the Celtics. I wonder how much they actually wanted that guy. You don't I like Cameron Walker, do you, Bobby? <laughs> I just love that Bobby's I'm watching just asking. a ton of – I love that Bobby's watched a ton of Pritchard because that means that he's up at like 1 a.m. regularly watching like yeah, four games. West Coast he's basketball. just a basketball, basketball junkie. Just, he's like, oh, I've seen this guy a ton. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. Before we before we wrap it on this, just it's mention that they, they did trade um, pick 30 after making those first two selections. That was a salary dump. Vinny Sexpants is tied to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so there goes one of the 20, yeah, how long are you 20 holding players. That Dude, Poirier era – was that's an all-time age like gaff like that's up there with you know the Yabusellis. They the, paid him you know, about five million bucks over two years. You paid him the same as Ty for this guy. You see, I mean, drip? you see the drip in and out of the damn arena. This dude, man, I think he had like a, a came in like a seventy thousand dollars suit one day, and it was like he just took the tags off of it. And this is every game he had a new suit. We weren't. We were not. We were not ready for Vincent Poirier. It was. It's. I, Certainly it was, not. It's Vinny. It was. It's. 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 It's us, not you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Memphis know. might be. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, they got a little. They got rock and roll scene over yeah. there. So. It's. It's. It, it's. It's me, not you. Okay. We didn't. You, you didn't do anything wrong. But one that, of the one of the funniest. Tra- if it was a trade demand, one of the funniest trade demands in Celtics history. Oh yeah. yeah. So. That's that. The, the the Vinny era is over. That pick again. There's a couple players who were still available that some people liked, and we could be looking at uh, a what if sort of scenario by kicking that pick out there. Uh, I already had, you know, you guys know mine, which was the the you know the Brandon Clark trade down last year. I was oh pretty pumped God. by. I preferred him to Grant Williams. It is what it is. Uh, but that's where we are. So uh, they pick 14, pick 26, couple of ready made. We think uh, players who might be able to contribute earlier than later in their uh, NBA careers. As for this segment, as I mentioned at the beginning, presented by Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off, free shipping with the code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. The NBA draft is in the books. What happens next, we don't know, but there's still a lot, a lot, a lot to be done this offseason, so we're going to keep uh, updating you on all the latest and bringing you more videos. Stick with us on our YouTube channel here. NBA draft in the books. Celtics made a couple of picks. Whatever. That's not the story. The story is Gordon Hayward is still a Celtic for now. For now. We don't know for how much longer, okay? The clock is ticking. It is officially Thursday, which means today, 5 p.m., Gordon Hayward is either going to opt in or opt out of the Celtics uh, of his final year of his Celtics contract or be traded. Something's going to happen. Whatever it is, is newsworthy. So let's break down where we are today. Um, mm-hmm. Some talk about Hayward possibly being packaged and sent to Atlanta, which showed some interest. Possibility of a sign and trade. We don't really know. Uh, Brad Stevens was asked about him in the pre-draft press conference. Sounded like he was delivering a eulogy. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> It sounds like they sounds know like Brad the, Stevens, man. I know it sounds <laughs> look, or maybe he's just saying I'm too close to this thing. I respect the guy enough and I have a personal relationship. I'm not tipping here what I know or don't know. So mm-hmm. yeah, we can't read too, too much into what Brad said. However, I think 
everything has been trending towards Gordon Hayward's not going to be a Celtic long-term, whether he opts out and goes and signs elsewhere or is traded. But this could happen in a few hours, you know, and that's it. And then we know. So, guys, where do you think this thing stands? Jimmy, I'll start with you. I, I couldn't even begin to guess where it stands, but I can tell you that I'm kind of, I said this in the past show. I'm surprised that it kind of got to this point. I mean, obviously, the way things have gone with the injuries and whatnot, uh, I guess I shouldn't be. But with with me, I just think Gordon Hayward, is, when he's healthy, and I know it's a big when or a big if, he is such a good fit for this current roster. So what, what I really want to know is if Danny Ainge thinks this current roster is good enough to compete with Brooklyn or Philadelphia or if you want to go out west, some of those teams out there, if he does, then I think you give it a give it a final shot with Gordon Hayward or you try to extend him. You do everything you can to try to extend him because, like we know, it is they'll lose him for nothing if they don't. So, I mean, for me, I'm thinking Celtics, Hayward, try to come to some common ground with an extension. And if it doesn't work out after this season or whatnot, you still have the ability to trade him. And I don't think it's going to end on a sour note with both sides. So that that's where I, what I would Well, think. that's what you would like to think happens. Bobby, Bobby, I know you also want to see them just pay the guy because – you think that right now, and I don't disagree. I don't know whether he's worth whatever you pay him. I just know that if you don't, well, that's the key. Yeah. You're probably going to be worse too. And the Celtics have to know that also. So it just comes down to what? Um, and it comes down to tax, luxury tax, and how far over you want to go and this and that. But forget about what they should do. Bobby, what do you think they will do? They'll deal him one way or another. He's not going to walk out right. If all of a sudden he walks to Atlanta, which I feel is a real possibility, the Celtics are going to get something out of that. And we've tossed around all of these different ideas all day, ranging from Jan John Collins to Clint Capella after the Hawks uh, drafted a center in Oneko Kongu today. It's not going to happen. They have $44 million in cap space. There's no incentive whatsoever for them to give up anything. So what you get out of it is a player exception. It's not nothing. It's going to be a sizable exception, actually, upwards of $30 million that the Celtics can use for salary matching, which we know is their biggest weakness when it comes to making trades now. So, But that's next to nothing if he ends up going the Atlanta route. And I think that's still a strong possibility. The teams around the league that the Celtics want to do a sign and trade with are weary about signing Gordon Hayward for three to four years. And that's what Hayward's looking for right now. So again, I, I'm going to say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If teams are weary to make that sign and trade deal with the Celtics for Hayward for three years, then why is Atlanta comfortable just dumping that money right. on him right now? It yeah. makes because they need to use it. I don't believe there's only one team out there that's willing to pay him, and nobody else. And that one team has to be the one that has the cap space and is and is there. I, I and and that Gordon also wants to go there. I do believe there's a little bit of uh, you know uh, smoke oh, there is. going on there. I think I think it's natural though. It's not like Atlanta and Hayward are coordinating, trying to conspire or something. There's a real suitor in Atlanta. We and don't he's know that. So we don't know that. I mean, again, I, situationally, it just makes we're sense. Hearing, and now you're you're big on Gallinari. I'm but. He, you're hearing Atlanta linked to several other players. They can't sign all of them. So I don't think Hayward, they could. They could feasibly if if they were if Hayward was priority one. I believe he would have opted out. Atlanta would have signed him and then everyone would know it. That's not happening. So I just, I don't know. that. This no, is I don't think it's priority number one, but yeah. again, we have three 
sides at work here. The teams receiving Hayward, the Celtics, and Hayward himself. They all have different priorities, and those other teams wanting to get Hayward for a fair deal is getting in the way of possible destinations for him. There's just no reason for Atlanta to have to worry about what Boston needs to do to pull off some creative three-way to get Hayward if he can just opt out and sign there. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think – Yeah. No, I don't not to cut you up, but I don't think that's where Hayward really wants to go either. I think that's probably no, it's true. Yeah, the Celtics are saying, "All right, Gordon, you know, you know, yeah, extend it, and we'll both try to work and see if we can find something else on another." Let's team see if here. we can find another spot for you. And that's that's right. what I believe. I believe that the likely scenario is Hayward doesn't want Atlanta. Maybe Atlanta does want him or would be interested in at least talking to him. Otherwise, he would just go. So maybe he's saying either pay me or trade me somewhere else that will pay me because I don't want to opt in uh, or opt out and only have two choices. If you opt out and your two choices are New York and Atlanta, he doesn't want either. And, and, and what does that say, John? He has a little bit of leverage here. If the Atlanta thing was fake, no team, he doesn't have nothing. I think what John's trying to say is that it's a bluff. It's a it's bluff. A the reason he doesn't is if he opted in. It would have happened already. Like, if I, he opts in, the Celtics send him anywhere. Yeah. Yes, but for that bluff to be legitimate, there needs to be real interest. And the Celtics, if they thought this was just a bluff and there was nothing out there for him, would they be shopping him left and right? They'd just be laughing at him and saying, sign the paper. There's Not real interest in him out it's there. It's mutually beneficial for yeah. the that's Celtics. Where, that's where I am. am. Yeah, I think yeah, they both way. went into it. Right. I think they were both on the same page. I think they did work together. But I think at the same time, maybe Gordon Hayward got his feelings hurt. Let's face it. Gordon thought that he was a piece that for the future. I think Gordon like, loves Boston. I just think, obviously, things haven't unfolded the way he would like them to. And I think he's a little hurt that the Celtics would consider getting rid of him. And, and I, I, you know, a lot of Celtics fans would be like, well, why would they, you know, the Celtics are, have to protect their best interests, obviously, but at the same time, if you're Gordon Hayward, you're trying to work out a deal where, okay, maybe I'm not getting the same amount of, as the first big contract, but can we get something close to it? And I don't, I just don't think the Celtics are willing to do that. Now, I think Gordon Hayward's camp is going to threaten the Celtics and say, oh, yeah, well, if you don't do it, then we'll, you know, we'll opt out and go elsewhere. But I think the Celtics aren't necessarily, you know, I thought I thought they could, they thought that they could try to uh, come up with a move, a sign and trade move by, by, uh, by the draft and here we are so right now if you're the celtics you have to kind of convince or at least start to convince gordon to stay i think that's you have to convince gordon that he needs to opt in to prove to the entire league that he can still make that kind of money if he opts in mm -hmm. if he opts in but but john if he opts out i don't think gordon is necessarily excited about playing in new york or another team or you know somewhere where okay yeah i get my big payday well, where am I in three years trying to cling on to a contender and no one wants yeah. me anymore? Well, if he, opts up, if he opts in with the idea that the Celtics might still trade him, he just has to still go into it saying, all right, I'm still betting on myself here. Wherever they trade me, I just have to have a, a healthy, you know, productive season, and then I can go where I want to go in the next free season. If, right, but if, at $34 million, though, I don't know. If, no, not if he opts in, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm safe. If he opts in, it's because what's available now – the, in in terms of money and a place he wants to go isn't enough, it's so enough. he takes the thirty four and rolls the dice on the next year. I don't I see think. it. I but think that's the least like your scenario. Unless right there's now. some team out there really trying to give Gordon Hayward seventy million dollars, a guy who hasn't played a healthy season and since I was freaking early twenties. Yeah. Okay. If that happens. I'm yeah. not in my early twenties anymore, guys. You guys. Know if, that ha- if that happens, the Celtics are in time. trouble. They could be. What I will. I'll say is this, um, you know, 
I don't know. At some point, you have to wonder what it says about the Celtics organization. If oh, hundred um, percent, we didn't think if, we'd get here. No, but if I'm what? saying if you bring you bring in Al Horford and he's the first good free agent that you land, and then he leaves you, uh, he leaves you for a better deal, uh, and and you trade for Kyrie Irving, and he was an asshole, and we all know that. But but, <laughs> but you do everything you can to placate him, and he leaves yeah. you, and then Gordon Hayward is another big victory free agent for a team for all of these years, Jimmy, I covered the team and you, and we covered them. We would always say free agents will never come here. We'd always be scraping the bottom of the barrel, getting the dregs, the 10th rate guys, you know, and, and just what was it? Sheldon? Who do I forget who that anyway, you get these, Jason <laughs> what, Terry. Was what I was thinking of Jason Terry. Yeah. Oh, it's killing me. That I can't think of, what I was thinking of anyway. That's who you'd get. And then now Rasheed you get these guys. Ross. And then they leave you. First chance they get. First option. First opt out. You'd have three premium players choosing to leave if Hayward opts out. You look inward and say, like, what a, is there something wrong? Like, you we, know, know like, we know what's wrong here. This, we would be feeling this way last year if Kemba Walker never came. But he put the Band-Aid over the damage of the 2019 season. Yeah, until Hayward is... Hayward is still linked to that situation, and there's so much bad feeling there. There's so much that is stemmed from that in terms of his role, in terms of the situation, and all of a sudden, you're still looking at the ramifications of that awful yeah. year, one of the worst years in Celtics history. It was bad. The, the good, the only good news here is that we're going to know very soon, and we can stop speculating, but it is wild that we're back in this place in this offseason after last year where Everything fell apart. Your entire world fell apart with Kyrie leaving, the Anthony Davis thing collapsing because Kyrie was no longer here, and that was always your plan, uh, into Al all of a sudden leaving, into complete scramble mode, having to trade Aaron Baines, getting lucky that uh, Kemba came here. Picking a bunch of young guys. And young hey, guys and broken, man. mashing this roster together, um, bringing in Daniel Tice. Get, you know, making him your center, and it just worked, and they got lucky. They got away with it. They were um, what, two games from the finals. It was unreal. Barely hanging on, and they, they, it blew apart. I mean, you got another offseason where this happens. This could this this could really hurt the franchise. So again, well, yeah. Jimmy, go ahead. Basic yes, two guys. Yes. If there's no uh, shutdown with with the Kemba Walker, the condition that he was in in March, the team even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, to all to John's points they're true about the free agents coming and going and you have Danny Ainge who uh, I think a lot of players are hesitant. I, I mean, I'm not basing that on anything about my own opinion, but I think players are hesitant to believe Dan Danny Ainge because, you know, he will trade Isaiah Thomas. He'll, you know, he'll obviously trade Kemba. So there's that aspect of it too. So you got to wonder what players think of the culture here. But the one thing I will say and where the Celtics can rest on is that, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the backbone of the organization and the team right now, and they're not going anywhere. And if you can, as long as you can get those guys to stay and to buy into the culture and to buy into the team, you can build around those guys. You got to hope, yep. though. I know, and I, and again, I've I've been saying it for the last how long. It's you're you're building for their future, is not necessarily yep. the team's future, not the team's immediate future, but building a roster around That's those guys how they drafted tonight when J when Jalen's when Jalen's up in, t in 23 and the clock starts ticking on Tatum's third contract you better be in a position where you've got space and freedom and flexibility and some stuff around you that you can work with 
and, and the ability to bring in another player or a third star to keep those guys happy. And I think that that's, again, they're, they're looking many years down the road, not just next year in terms of what they need to do. But you're right. You lose a big chip if Hayward just opts out um, and that money is gone. And it's going to be hard to – you can't replace it. So we're going to have the answer to that. We're going to have the answer – and then whatever happens, we're going to talk about it. We're probably going to kill Hayward, and then we'll kill Danny. It's just <laughs> and then we'll we kill do. ourselves. And then we'll kill ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you guys to cap it off, the final pick of the night for the Celtics, Yamadar, whoever I don't that want is. To hear that. <laughs> um, you know what? Bleep, so, bleep that entire thing out of this video. I don't want to hear that. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Segments brought to you by Manscaped, 20% off free shipping code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off free shipping with the code GARDEN20 at manscaped.com. Gordon D-Day is here. We will find oh, out what Gordon is going to do or what the Celtics are going to do with Gordon uh, one way or another uh, by the end of today. Yep. So thanks for watching us.